So I, I don't know if you noticed, and it was purely the movement of the Holy Spirit, but the music selections for today perfectly blend with what I want to talk about this morning. And it's often the way, uh, sometimes it's more subtle, but uh, today it was so obvious to me that the Holy Spirit is moving through this sanctuary in such a way that uh, everything that we experience today is uh, intentional. I want to preach this morning from uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, beginning at verse 15, where Paul, uh, or chapter 15, uh, where Paul talks about the resurrection body. Hear what Paul has to say. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there is one flesh for human beings, another for animals, another for birds and another for fish. There are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one thing and that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. Indeed, star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. There's a more down-to-earth reading of that scripture. And I want to share a little bit of it to you because when we put the two, the the literal translation and the conceptual scripture together we get a clearer picture of of this thing that we have all been dealing with this this question of what happens to us 
after this life. The message tells us we've been dealing with our own mortality quite a bit lately, haven't we? We've been surrounded by reminders that this human condition in which we exist does not last but a short time. And here, right here in in this congregation, we've been reminded recently of, of that part of our earthly existence, haven't we? And as a result, the subject of death has come up in quiet conversation among members. And I have to tell you, as as pastor, it's not uncommon for me to provide spiritual and emotional support to people and families who who are dealing with this subject of death and resurrection and all the questions that go with it. And... In the years that I've been in ministry, I've ministered to many dying people and I've prayed with and counseled with just as many grieving families. And each member of each family has has questions about what happens now. In fact, that's probably the most common question. What happens next? See, people are asking questions about this process of life and of death and of what comes after death. And and some inside and outside of the churches that I serve, some of them have a firm concept of a hereafter, heaven. And there are some that are still unsure, uncertain. It's not that they don't believe. It's not that they don't have faith. They just have questions. And clearly, if we look at Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see that these folks are not the only ones with questions. In Paul's day, there were people who wondered what comes next. Paul writes, some skeptic is sure to ask, Show me how resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does this resurrection body look like? Now, if you look at that question closely, you realize how absurd the question is. There aren't any diagrams for this kind of thing. We we do have this parallel uh, experience in in gardening. Those of you who are gardeners, you know that you plant Uh, a a dead seed, and soon there is this flourishing living plant. There's no visual likeness between the seed and the plant. If you looked at a tomato seed, you'd never guess what a tomato would look like simply by looking at the seed. So what we plant in the soil and what grows out of it don't look anything alike, do they? The, The dead body that we bury in the ground and the resurrection body that comes from it are dramatically different. Paul says you'll notice that the variety of bodies is stunning in God's creation. Just as there are different kinds of seeds, there are different kinds of bodies. There's human bodies, animal bodies, bird bodies, fish bodies. Each is unprecedented in its form. You get a hint at the diversity of resurrection glory by looking at the diversity of bodies, not only on the earth, but also, Paul says, in the skies, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of these varieties of 
beauty and brightness. And we're only looking at pre-resurrection seeds here. The universe, the cre all of creation is in pre-resurrection form. You can only imagine what the resurrection plants that spring forth from these seeds are going to be like. The image of, of planting a dead seed and raising a live plant is just a sketch. It's us looking through the glass dimly. But it helps, I think, in approaching this mystery of the resurrection body. But only if we keep in mind that when we're raised, we're raised for good, we're alive forever. We're not like the tomato. You better eat that thing pretty quickly or else it's going to turn back to seed, isn't it? But the resurrection body, once it's raised, is alive forever. The, the, the corpse that's planted is no beauty to look upon, but when it's raised, it's glorious, Paul tells us. Put in the ground weak, it comes up powerful. The seed sown is of the natural world. The seed grown is of the supernatural. Same seed, same body, but what a difference from when it goes down in physical mortality to when it's raised up in spiritual immortality. And so we follow the sequence in Scripture, Paul reminds us. He says the first Adam received life. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. The last Adam, Jesus. Physical life comes from first and then spiritual, a firm base shaped from the earth, a final completion that comes from heaven. And so the first man was made out of earth. And people since then are earthly people. The second man was made out of heaven. And people, because of him and his resurrection, can now be heavenly. See, in the same way that we work from our earthly origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends, Paul tells us. And then he says, I need to emphasize, friends, that our natural earthly lives don't in themselves lead us by their very nature into the kingdom of God. Their very nature is to die. So how could they naturally end up in the life kingdom? That's an important point that Paul alludes to. He doesn't come out and say it, but human nature is to die. And so if we continue to live in our human nature until we pass. Without choosing the source of eternal life, Jesus Christ, then we will end up. Separated from God. But if we choose Jesus. Once we make that transition from this life to the next. Having Jesus as part of that transition. Then we get to live life eternal in the kingdom. See, the answer is that we end up in eternal life by being in relationship with Jesus Christ before the end of this physical life. 
Scripture teaches us that to be absent from the body is to be with Christ. Why? Well, because the first stop after passing is a meeting with Jesus. The rest of the Scripture in Hebrews 9, it is appointed for us once to die. The rest of that Scripture is, but after this, the judgment. See, Jesus is the judge, and our first stop is a meeting with Jesus. And he alone determines where we spend eternity. And if we know him, when we get to that divine appointment with him, and if when we meet him, he, he knows us also, then he welcomes us into the kingdom of eternal life. So what do I take away from all this, Pastor? It's simply this. Before our earthly seed is deposited into the earth, at the end of this material existence, we must decide to follow Jesus. And if there's anyone out in the live stream, and I'm, I, I pretty well know I'm preaching to the choir, but heed what I'm saying. If there's anyone who has not invited Jesus to be the Lord of their life, decide before the natural course of this human condition plays out to its inevitable end, before you run out of time, decide here and now to follow Jesus. Decide to follow Christ. If you do, then you have a share in his resurrection. If you do, the kingdom of life is yours. And so my prayer for everyone within the sound of my voice. Is that you have weighed your choices carefully, wisely. And that before all is said and done, you decide to follow Jesus. And if you decide for Jesus, then though you may have been sown in weakness, as Paul says, you will be raised in power. Though you may have been sown in dishonor, you will be raised in glory. That's a promise. Your life is eternal. Everyone out there that doesn't know Jesus, their life's eternal too. The question, as the realtors say, is location, location, location. Where will you spend eternity? Choose Jesus. Spend eternity with him in glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is Near to the Heart of God. Please stand if you are able.